Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yes, hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks, and my, oh, my, does it feel like football season. So from now on, since it's August, we're going to be changing the schedule just a little bit. On Mondays, this show, it's going to be a rankings refresh. Name that we're going to go through news and especially preseason game performances once those roll around and trying to find the actionable pieces of information, naming with injuries, with usage, with who's running with who and starters. Also, we use our eyes for those preseason games and and pinpoint who looks good. Um, And so we're going to, again, refresh the rankings for all of you, telling you who we are moving up and moving down and why. Not necessarily, in this case today, it's not going to really focus on like, and Hayden, maybe you can back me up here beat writer speculation or evaluations based on what they see at camp. Because honestly, Hayden, love those people. Thank you for doing great work. Don't trust your evaluations because I know just going to practices, it's really tough to internalize and be able to process what is going on and why outside of like one or two splash plays. So Hayden has done some great work on underblog.underdogfantasy.com. Just recapping exactly what you all need to know from the week that was and using that information moving forward. Hayden, how'd I do compartmentalizing all that? Depth charts. That's what we're searching for more than anything, because playing time equals fantasy points. It's like you said, it's not about the player evaluations. We can trust ourselves with our own player evaluations and we can kind of pair that with the training camp reports to see if it makes sense. Like if all of a sudden it's like uh, a training camp reports is James White is the goal line back. Then like, we're not buying that. But if, if it says Michael Carter's in a committee and he might be the third down back, that's something I'm going to be buying into. And want to remind all of you that today you all asked for it. And we at underdog are just for you, the people, the puppy is back. It's bigger than ever over. I think, and back me up on this 111,000 entrants in this contest, $500,000 in prizes. Again, we want to tell all of you, deposit anything. If you're a new user, skip that guacamole. Use promo code the show that you can see down below and get a free $25. That is five entries into the puppy two or go for best ball mini two, which is over 50% filled because all of you are savages. It's still that hot, hot best ball summer. More and more people are getting into underdog this month. 
and I can't wait for all your feedback. And don't worry, we're going to continue to do drafts. We're going to play a lot of the hits this month of the rankings, uh, updates for each position, and our favorite sleepers and you know bold predictions, so on and so forth, with each of those spots. So I can't wait to bring those shows to you. All right, Hayden, let's dive into this together. We're going to go position by position, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and so on with these camp updates. And we have to start with this Carson Wentz news. Came out disgruntled foot. That might not be the right way of saying that. He felt something in his foot, Hayden. And now, as we know, on Monday morning, he will have surgery. And the window for that is anywhere from five weeks out to 12 weeks out. A seven-week window. Hayden, I am no doctor, but that sounds quite large. That is large, and I would be guessing it'd be closer to the 8 to 12-week range. He's getting a bone removed from his foot. And, like, I mean, nothing's more complicated than your feet. There's so many little things going on down there. So you have to move Carson Wentz down. I'm not sure if he's fully undraftable, but he's getting close. Like, I would rather have Taysom Hill than Carson Wentz in best ball uh, just straight up. And I think that the, the big thing here is the Colts are, could make a move for a veteran. If it is a veteran, I would be – betting on like Marcus Mariota or Gardner Minshew, but players like Nick Foles and Jimmy G are certainly in the mix here too. Um, I think that Ballard's he's pretty, he's pretty calm and cool and collected. I don't think he's going to make a massive move. That's why I like Marcus Mariota might make some sense here because he's got a really cheap tradable contract. Um, but the big picture stuff, maybe you move Michael Pittman down a spot or two, Tiwa Hilton, those type of guys. I think that Jonathan Taylor is probably the one that takes the biggest hit here. I don't want to be drafting him in the first round, but obviously there's still so much upside here because offensive line is so good. Yeah, look, it's not like any of us were prioritizing Carson Wentz. He was going as quarterback 22. And mainly, though, we wanted him to support a couple players that we really liked. We wanted him to support Michael Pittman, who you, me, Matt Harmon have all been harping about all offseason as someone that was going so late around, like, what, wide receiver 44, wide receiver 50 in that territory um, as someone that could, like, make the leap as a number one wide receiver but Jonathan Taylor was being drafted based on like last season's final six or seven or eight weeks of the season as just an absolutely surefire you know anchor running back at that running back seven overall ADP and now Hayden it wouldn't be shocking at all despite how good the offensive line was maybe in your head you can get around you know they're gonna be more run centric but we also know that in order to really reach maximum production at running back, you have to be one, a good team, two, a winning team, because you get a lot of those rushing stats towards the end of the games. And so, Hayden, would it be shocking to you if he, I don't know, drops past the the Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson line around like running back 11, running back 12? What's the case for Jonathan Taylor over Nick Chubb? Nick Chubb, they have the same role. They're not catching that many passes because they have a better pass catcher in their running back group. And the offensive line for the Browns is better than it is for the Colts. And the quarterback situation for the Browns is much better than it is for the Colts. So, I mean, that's where I would kind of draw the line is that I would, you have to rank Nick Chubb over Jonathan Taylor right now, at least in my opinion. Okay. That's it for the Colts. Uh, again, it seems like we're going to find out a lot about what they're going to do during preseason games. Either it's Jacob Eason, who went from like a bust five-star recruit in college to now starting NFL quarterback and just a couple years. Um, but we talked about it in our uh, one question for every team. This was a lot of eggs to put in the basket of a team right now. That's like their winner to win in the Colts. And it was with Carson Wentz and you bought him at like his lowest value ever. I'm not saying anyone could have predicted this foot injury, but uh, it, it would suck. It would suck if like this 
is part of the reason why this team stinks for the first half of the season. But that's the shots that these teams take uh, at the quarterback position. So, all right. Next up, Hayden. Cam Newton and Jimmy G are still the quote unquote starters. This the company line for both. We've heard it from Bill Belichick that Cam Newton is our starter. We heard it from Jimmy G uh, and Kyle Shanahan uh, immediately following that selection as well. Uh, Hayden, what are the reports and what are you saying? They keep, I mean, both head coaches keep calling those guys the starters. And it seems like all we have to try to figure out is like, what's the bar that these rookies have to clear? Like, does Trey Lance, like Trey Lance is good enough to start right now, but is the bar he has to be so good that they think they, 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 think they can win the Super Bowl with him? Or is the bar just, hey, let's try to figure this out on the fly? And like, that's the stuff that we have no idea. And that's what training camp is for and for preseason games. So really, it's just like this massive wide range of outcomes that it's like we don't have any any certainty with but when you're playing in best ball mini tournaments trey lance obviously has this massive massive ceiling so that's why i understand why he's being drafted as a top 15 quarterback does he project as a median outcome as the 15th quarterback probably not but when we're trying to play and come in first place out of thousands of entries you have to be taking your chances with somebody like trey lance it's so tough the the trey lance conversation because one if we're talking about season-long leagues that are being drafted right now Hayden, I'm not taking two quarterbacks in those leagues. And if you're drafting Trey Lance in those leagues or any league like best ball, you're going to have to take two quarterbacks because we just don't know right now as a fact when he is going to be a starter. So like if I'm drafting again for your traditional season long leagues, I'm probably not taking Trey Lance. And then the other part of this, Hayden, is that he's still going ahead of Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he's going as the quarterback 14. Trevor Lawrence is going as the quarterback 15. And I love Trey Lance. You know this. I've talked about it a lot in the show that there is a path to this team having a top three, top five offense. And I talked about it with Vish, who knows the 49ers extremely well, a, a untapped you know, section of Kyle Shanahan's playbook and potential success even for this offense is the inside the 10, inside the 20 uh, rushing production. And that all will stem from another element of the quarterback play. And Trey Lance brings that to the table. But then the other part, Number three is that as soon as Trey Lance is named the starter, and that can happen at any point. That can happen next week. That can happen after preseason game one, preseason game two, which we've seen it in all facets, or even just like two days before the season starts. Again, we've seen that calendar for many first-round draft picks over the last decade. I think he goes directly into the top 10 among quarterbacks drafted this season. Do you agree? He's one of those players, kind of like Jalen Hurts, where you – rank him as a top 10 quarterback when he's out there. And we just don't know how many games he's going to start. So it's just like, what's your risk profile? I will say in like redraft leagues, don't draft a kicker or a defense this early draft a Trey Lance draft that backup running back. You don't have to have the best kicker in your league. Use that bench spot on a high upside play. Someone like Trey Lance. So I, th- I think that it's okay to draft two quarterbacks in like a regular f- 15 round redraft league um, and just take the chance with them early on. And then obviously in, in the best ball tournaments, I think he's definitely somebody that's w- well worth the 10th, 11th round pick somewhere in that range. But he could he could also not play until like week 13. Like that's just like it's within the range of outcomes. I'm not expecting that to happen, but we just don't know. Yeah. And I also think that not every team is created equal, you know, like I don't think because the 49ers and the Patriots and especially the Bears, who isn't in your write-up, they're all saying the same thing of like, hey, this guy's a starter, this guy's not, that we should use the same logic for each one. Yes. Like, yeah. I, I think that Kyle Shanahan is going to make different decisions 
than Matt Nagy does. You know, like if I was to bet which of those two quarterbacks is going to play earlier, um, I would put it on Trey Lance. Now, that's not to say I think that the 49ers are going to be worse than the Bears. In fact, you and I have discussed this point as well. Even if the 49ers start the season 3-0 or 3-1 or whatever it is, um, that's just because they have a winning record. It's not going to prevent them from putting Trey Lance on on the field. Like it's just waiting until he's ready. You know, it's just waiting until he's ready. And even if Jimmy is is have, playing winning football and all that kind of stuff, Kyle can look at Trey and say, "Okay, you are processing everything, the game plan during each week. I like where your mental state is. You feel comfortable with the schedule now compared to North Dakota State, and I'm going to you. And it doesn't have to make them." It doesn't have to be with them being like, you know, two and two or one and three to start the season. We saw this with Tua last year. It's just when is the rookie ready? Like that's the question. And just every coach has a different level of ready. Like ready can mean we're trying to win the Super Bowl. Is Trey Lance good enough to win a Super Bowl right now? Or is it ready? Hey, Trey Lance looks good enough. Let's go see what he has this year. You know, like we don't know what that level of ready is. Um, But we're we're shooting for upside here, especially late late in the draft. Who has more upside than Trey Lance right now? We talked about the 49ers end of this. We didn't mention at all the the Patriots side of this. Um, you and I have been on the side of Mac Jones is going to start a number of games a season all along. It just adds up based on what you saw with Cam Newton and Josh McDaniels last season. Granted, Cam had an awful case of COVID, it sounded like, and his shoulder just wasn't in the right place. Um, hopefully his shoulder's in a better place. Hopefully he stays healthy this season. But Hayden, this is just such a good situation to me for Mac Jones to go into behind a top five offensive line. It stays healthy behind, you know, a, a tight end group that can be extremely multiple with Nelson Aguilar coming in, who had a very good season last year and a running back who, you know, can be productive behind them. That to me, if I want to take a real outside shot on either one late, late, late and long shot uh, offensive rookie of the year candidates, or just in drafts, if I'm getting to a spot where like, you know what, I'm going to take a third quarterback. Um, you know, Mac Jones around like the 214 ADP, there are worse options to me. I think so too. I'll, I'm going to save some Mac Jones stuff for our bold prediction show later on. Okay. Love that. All right. Next up, let's keep it rolling. Um, this Dak Prescott uh, news in terms of he has been limited throwing the football, something about his lat, uh, this all comes on the heels of Dak being completely ready to practice based on, you know, last year's fractured ankle. I know Peter King had details of that, that he was trying to like put it together on the field as soon as it was, it was injured. Um, Hayden, I'll be honest. I'm not too worried about this. Are you? I'm not that worried about it. This is just kind of like part of the thing. When you have a serious injury, you kind of overcompensated for this. And maybe he rushed into it and he threw the ball too much. And maybe his ankle wasn't fully ready to go. So I'm moving him down. He's still inside my top quarter, top five quarterbacks, like that that elite tier. But now I'd rather have like Kyler Murray, maybe, or Josh Allen over Dak Prescott. They're all like right next Ooh. to each other in my rankings. But I moved Dak Prescott to my quarterback five. It just all depends. Like I'm not drafting Dak Prescott unless I've already drafted CeeDee Lamb. So it doesn't really wow. matter to me in in um in like best ball rankings or anything like that. It's just it's a minor injury. We should expect this. this isn't like really moving the needle, but if it's a tiebreaker between him and Kyler Murray, give me Kyler. I mean, you're, you're kind of brushing that off as but that's a big statement to me. I mean, when we go into those top five quarterbacks and I understand that you're saying like, if I'm taking a quarterback that early, I am absolutely doing everything possible I can to stack them or else you're going to wait for that. I don't know, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford kind of 
tier of player or Trevor Lawrence a little bit after that, so on and so forth, Joe Burrow. But moving someone this early on from quarterback three or two or wherever you had him down to quarterback five, we love all those quarterbacks, obviously. That's significant, though, Hayden. I mean, they were literally like 52, 53, 54, 55 in my overall rankings. So it was just yeah. like moving them down two spots. And I wouldn't draft Dak Prescott if I didn't have already have Amari Cooper or CeeDee Lamb. So this only matters if you're like trying to stack these guys. I don't think it's gonna, actually going to affect Dak Prescott in the regular season. But if, if this is just purely a tiebreaker. Give me the guy that's a little bit healthier in Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. Um I, I think it's a very, very minor injury. Like it's, mm. it shouldn't affect him. But this is just a reminder, like when you're coming off severe injuries, things happen. And like this was something that happened. Let's now go to Deshaun Watson. I mean, this news item has been covered from a lot of different angles, obviously dating back in, since March. Um, it, I think it's more of a focus now, Hayden, because he reported. And that brings Deshaun Watson back to the forefront. I truly don't believe anything has changed. And I want to open by saying and acknowledging that there are 22 unresolved cases against Deshaun Watson right now. And that needs to absolutely be taken seriously. And I think that needs to be said every single time we mention Deshaun Watson's name, because in fact, his name is being brought a lot right now in kind of an optimistic and somewhat positive way. And I don't want like those 22 accusations to like, just be thrown around. Now I do want to bring up and maybe ask Hayden why his name is being brought up now. And part of me thinks that there's just like a total lack of precedent here because in the past, before this new CBA teams were able to just say like, Hey, you know, you're not in a good place with us as a team. You need to figure out these things on your own that you have going on. Just stay at home, work away from the facility. We're not like, we're going to say we're finding you, but we're not really finding you. We're going to get rid of that. Now you can't get rid of that. Like if you don't report teams cannot rescind those fines. And at the same time, he's not on the commissioner's list because um, they don't have, it feels like the league doesn't have all the information that they want to make a decision one way or the other. What else are you reading right now with Deshaun Watson, his status? Well, first off, I want to acknowledge, like you just said, that like sexual assault cases is one of the most underreported and undercharged cases there is. And like we have to acknowledge that every single time one of these things pops up when it comes to football, the, the NFL is in a weird spot because, like you said, they can't find him. Deshaun Watson, of course, does not want to be fined fifty thousand dollars per day. The Texans can't do anything about uh, letting go of those fines. So he, that's why he's out at training camp playing safety, playing running back, not taking passes under center because parties the Texans have moved on Deshaun Watson has moved on they just can't do anything from a trade perspective until these cases are settled and that's the the tricky part here the I don't think a team's going to trade for Deshaun Watson until this is resolved and what makes it so hard is we don't know when the next case is coming up if there's 22 what there could be 25 there could be 26 so it's really risky for a team to, to uh, acquire Deshaun Watson even if they were somehow comfortable with Deshaun Watson, the player here. So there's a lot of things that would have to happen. I think the one path to Deshaun Watson playing this year would be if he settled his cases, which is something that he's has said he does not want to do unless there's an NDA or there's no NDA attached to it, which is something that doesn't really happen that often. And the NFL would probably suspend him for 10 games. And then a team would say, okay, fine, let's trade some picks and we'll go from there. 
I would say that's pretty unlikely. I will like say really that small. It, like I don't know what the percentage would be. It's non-zero though. So that's like why I think like the Eagles are probably have interest. And we, we had Mike Garofolo on a podcast, um, somebody else's podcast, and he was talking that it was the Eagles are involved, the Dolphins are involved, the Panthers are involved. There's yep. trade talks. There people are evaluating the situation. The one thing is at any point, the Eagles or some other team could just tell Deshaun Watson, look, you have to settle these cases. We will trade for you. We will reset. You'll accept your suspension, and then we'll go from there. And if I was a GM, I wouldn't be doing that. But I do think we've seen time and time again the NFL kind of delays the suspension, and then other teams get in the mix. That's why Antonio Brown's playing. We saw with with Ray Rice. There's this, this like second chance policy that has just been with the NFL forever. So it's not likely. It's not zero. But and that's where things get really tricky. Well. One, we know he's definitely not playing week one. I mean, that's not a fact. That's not something that's been put in place. But the NFL is just not going to allow that to happen. That's um, highly unlikely. Yeah. I think beyond highly unlikely. I think it's yeah. like a 0.01% chance that that would happen. And it wouldn't be for the Texans, right? Because the other added layer to this is he doesn't want to play for the Texans. You know, they have moved on. And that's why he is just like in the background of all of these things. The other element of this, Hayden, I, I, I think teams don't want to be late any of it you know like that's why i think this is being fast forwarded and pushed possibly before next offseason is because they don't want to be left in the dark like maybe i don't know the 49ers were with matthew stafford or other teams possibly were with matthew stafford because these things can move quickly and so they just want to be ahead and so maybe that's why the eagles and some other teams that you mentioned are like that i i, I just can't wrap my head around it happening because from multiple perspectives on those 22 accusations and lives, but also just the NFL cares so much about their image that right now, I think the NFL, and this is all speculation, but I think the NFL believes like they're just in a spot where they have a little bit of time, you know, because yes. he's not playing for the team that he's on. And as soon as they are out of time, then a decision is going to come down swiftly, you know? Right. The, the, the one thing is there's a little bit of a difference here. There has not been criminal charges against him. And that's the first and the easiest way Goodell could put Deshaun Watson on the commissioner's exempt list. And the second way is when their investigation finds something that Deshaun Watson's up something wrong. And the problem with that right now is the Houston police department is probably not going to be uh, talking to the NFL. The victims probably don't want to talk to the NFL. Deshaun Watson can't talk to the NFL because all the actual civil cases are still being investigated. So the NFL, to put uh, Deshaun Watson on the commissioner's exemplist, would be doing something they ha that they haven't done before, which is just taking people for their word when their investigation isn't done. And that's why he hasn't been on the commissioner's exemplist. And what makes that hard for the Texans, and which is why I can see a trade actually happening before the season, is that would leave the Texans paying Deshaun Watson this year. So maybe they want to get rid of the headache, and that's where a team just comes in, and then he tries to settle this. Everything is just so complicated. There's like a million ways that this could drag out. There's a million ways where this can end immediately. It, we have to like just prepare for everything because I can see it going either way. I am with you, though. The only way Deshaun Watson plays if things get settled and then he would play later in the season after a suspension. But even that, I would say, is probably on the unlikely side. And look, I, I know I'm supposed to have like a opinion on how he should play if he goes to this team or that. I, it's just something, Hayden, that when it happens, that's when I'll process yes. it. I, it's, right. it's not something I even want to factor him playing on NFL field right now, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, that's totally that's agree. Um, all right, let's jump back now into running backs. Antonio Gibson, who dealt with turto injury and injury, Hayden, 
Josh Norris actually had during his intramural college Uh-oh. football days. Uh, I wouldn't say college football, intramural days in college. <laughs> uh, big difference, Josh. Big difference. It sounds small, turf toe, whenever you hear it. It sucks. Like you can oh, yeah. barely walk on it and any of everything like that. Anyways, Antonio Gibson elected to not get surgery last year, wanted it to heal naturally and through rehab. Um, it sounds like in parts it has. I even read a report this morning, Hayden, that it's not the cutting that's the issue this morning and that he's getting back to like normal movement things. I will just say a foot injury with a running back that has been associated to him since what late last season in December. Uh, that alone, like those three points connected to each other, might perk up uh, some ears. He's going to play, and he's going to try to play through it. His injury risk is just higher. This is like a turf toe trying to cut when you're a running back and your big toe is on fire. Like That's not very fun. So um, it's a serious injury, like you said. The turf toe is no joke, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. I still think that his ceiling outcomes are still there with or without the turf toe. He's a second round pick right now. That could be a top five overall fantasy running back. And that's why we should, we should still be drafting him in these best ball tournaments. But this is the way that things can go sideways is the turf, turf toe acts up all of a sudden he's not cutting as well as he'd like to. And that's, that's why he has this huge wide range of outcomes in best ball tournaments. We don't really care about that too much. Because at the end of the day, Antonio Gibson, if he has a three-down workload, would be bordering on a top five fantasy running back, and you're getting him in the second round. Yeah, I've, I've seen a strategy change just a little bit where people are either prioritizing Travis Kelsey or you know a really top-end wide receiver in round one, whether it be Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs. And then when you get to round two, you can then get your anchor running back rather than spending the first-round draft capital on it. And, and Tina Gibson is a very popular selection in that range. And hey, now I'm already, you know, the ADP hasn't caught necessarily, but I would say in the last, what, 10 days, uh, Aaron Jones has now been going ahead of Antonio Gibson pretty sizably. So then after him, there's the likes of Clyde edwards Lair, there's Najee Harris. I would say that those are kind of the only names in that top tier. Is that something where you're willing to take one of those names ahead of Antonio Gibson? Has your stance changed in that order at all right now? I don't think so. I, I keep going back and forth between Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Antonio Gibson because they both have this massive wide range of outcomes with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Antonio Gibson finishing as the top five fantasy running back. They can also end up being RB2s because of playing time or injuries, and right. that's why they're late second-round picks. I do like the strategy. I moved Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, and all these guys up into the middle of the first round because what's the difference between the RB six this year and the RB like 13 to me, like there is no difference between Saquon Saquon Barkley and Austin Eckler. It's the, the same dudes. And I think that there is actually a difference between uh, Devonte Adams and Calvin Ridley, who I do like, I would just rather have that one V one versus right. the other one. Because if you're drafting a running back in the top two rounds, you're aiming for a top five running back season out of them. And again, in those top 14, top 15 running backs, you can make a case for all of those to have a top five season. That's why they're being drafted in that area. And I mean, it's so easy to make a case for obviously those top three wide receivers, plus Travis Kelsey, the names that we mentioned um, to sit atop their position as well. Um, And look, if you just want to have detailed into this conversation that we're having right now, like with Antonio Gibson, he's going to get, you know, probably more inside the five yard line work than a Clyde Edwards, a but then Clyde Edwards, a is also 
someone who's attached to the best offense in the NFL. So like you can even go from a big picture standpoint of again, wide receiver, pass catcher, and then anchor running back. And then the smaller details of the vibe player stuff as well. And we're going to get into that as we move along in these rankings. Next up, Hayden Winks, Melvin Gordon is the Broncos starter. I'll allow you to go through this one because I know a lot of people got excited once the Broncos trade up for Javante Williams in round two, they called him immediately a three down running back. So Benjamin Albright tweeted that Melvin Gordon is clearly the RB1 for this team. I've seen other beat reporters kind of say it's more of a committee. I'm expecting this to be a committee where Melvin Gordon plays just more snaps overall than Javante Williams. I do think Javante Williams has the ceiling outcomes where he's just so much better than Melvin Gordon as soon as this year. But I will say, compared to other rookies at a breakout, Melvin Gordon is getting paid a lot more than what the other projected starters are. Melvin Gordon has the fourth highest running back contract this year in the entire NFL and they can't trade him. They can't cut him. His contracts pretty much uh, makes him a lock for this roster right now. And I think the Broncos plan would be to let Melvin Gordon be the third down back mix in on early downs as well. And let Javante Williams kind of develop before they really unleash him in 2022. We have to remember Javante Williams is he's 21 years old and he was in a committee in college too. So you're projecting a little bit, for Javante Williams to have this three down role. It's, I'm not ruling it out because he is a very exciting prospect. I just think that maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. I'm going to go on a limb and say, I'm not buying this as much as you are uh, because rookie running backs are what I am most every single year looking forward to in terms of watching preseason games, because to me, they can just look better than everyone else. And I feel like we know what Melvin Gordon is. Um, he had his ups and downs obviously last season, Hayden, there's a possibility that this goes in two different directions. And I'm not drafting a lot of Javante Williams at running back 24. I'll just be clear about that. So it's not like a decision I've had to make, but I could see him immediately looking clearly the best running back because it's so difficult for backs to look great in training camp when it's not full contact, you're not tackling at full force. And we know at least Javante Williams broke all metrics when it came to yards after contact uh, coming out of college. So like that's his strength. I think it could be like Cam Akers, where Cam Akers at the very end of the year, you see, okay, this guy looks legit, but it took a long time. And then Cam Akers at the same ADP as where Javante is going. But I will also say, we're talking about the Broncos here. Like This is not the most exciting offense we're, we're talking about. If you've seen the training camp reports with the quarterbacks, Javante Williams would have to overcome not only Melvin Gordon, but also the Broncos would have to be a functional offense. So this is kind of a bet a little bit against Javante Williams at ADP. If you want to play the range of outcomes and shoot for the stars, I totally get it. Totally, yeah. totally get it. I like Javante Williams. I will say the median outcome I think is lower than what most people are projecting because people have been wanting the Broncos to cut Melvin Gordon. And that's just like has not that's never not been happening. That's just never been a part of the equation. The Broncos like Melvin Gordon more than what fantasy Twitter likes Melvin Gordon. Yeah. So I guess mainly what you're saying is take take Melvin Gordon higher than where he's going right now. Yes. That that is the most actionable advice you can get. The gap is this much, not hmm. this much. Uh what we think. For now, when we're talking about about ambiguous backfields, the Broncos backfield to me is much different than the Lions because at least the defense on the Broncos can hopefully keep them in closer games. And like the Lions is just like a backfield. I I don't want to touch. I don't want to touch the number one guy in that backfield. Well, DeAndre Swift could catch like 85 passes this year. So like I don't want to do complete fade DeAndre Swift. I'm I'm, I don't know what to do with DeAndre Swift, but we'll talk about him later. Chase Edmonds and James Conner are in a committee. Hey, I know you've been waiting months to write this headline. 
<laughs> Take it away. Yeah, I mean, this was ESPN just saying that they're going to be splitting the primary reps, and then there'll be kind of a hot hand approach. This is one of the like the most flimsy reports out there. We'll see. I think that the Cardinals want James Conner or uh, Chase Edmonds to be the the dude. He's also small. He's never done this before. He's a fourth round pick. James Conner's the could be the goal line guy because I mean. Chase Edmonds has, I think, one carry inside the five-yard line over his entire career. So I think this could be more of a committee than people are expecting. I think like it's kind of like the Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon. The gap is probably just a little bit smaller um, than most people are expecting here. Uh, but Chase Edmonds still has a super high ceiling just because the offense, just the way, the way it goes. This Chase Edmonds, James Conner thing, I, I get your point because I've been a big Chase Edmonds fan for a long time. You know, I've been waiting for him to have this role for a while because I thought like when he got opportunities instead of Kenyon Drake last year, that like anyone could have been effective in that Kenyon Drake role last year because it was so many opportunities inside the 10 yard line. But this is also one that once we get to training camp games, preseason games, we're going to see if Chase Edmonds stays in with the stars and gets removed and then James Conner comes in a little bit later. Boom. We know. Is it probably going to be much, much, much closer to 50-50? Yes, absolutely. And so, once again, I mean, I, I haven't been taking Chase Edmonds at all where he's been going, despite loving the player. But maybe I need to reevaluate re like where I am with James Conner. But, hey, it's also a case where I, I just want to see it before I believe this. Like, James Conner is not a player that I want to buy in on based on training camp reports. It's a player that I want to see how he looks in this offense how they're using him, and then maybe I – because he just doesn't have that holding power with me anymore like he did three years ago. I agree. Yeah, I just think that the way that the Cardinals run, they have run way too many plays for some guy just to have 70 – or like to have like 60 snaps per game. Like It's just like yeah. the offense is too fast, and I can see James Conner just being the goal line vulture. And that would take a little bit of the ceiling. I will say that Chase Edmonds' ADP has dropped a lot over the last month or two. And I think that he's okay where he's being taken. Like, this isn't like some super anti Chase Edmonds thing. I just think that James Conner, he also has a ceiling. What happens if, if Chase Edmonds gets hurt? Like, go ahead. Edmonds is going as running back 27. James Conner is going as running back 35. All right, let's keep it rolling. Cannot wait for preseason games, by the way. Cannot. Trey Sermon and Raheem Mostert are and also a committee, Hayden. Uh, to me, this makes sense because I think Kyle Shanahan is smart. And these two talents have like clear areas where they win. Well, we assume Trey Sermon wins as kind of like the grinder, bigger back, tough to tackle. People hate it out there. Body blows. I mean, we're trying to get in the minds of NFL head coach and play caller here. While Raheem Mostert is the most explosive running back in the NFL. You can quote me on that. He is from start to stop. So it like, what is the probability of either of these guys averaging 17 touches per contest? And I think that might be kind of low. I think it's pretty low pending injury. But if one of the two guys gets hurt, I think Correct. that the other guys would be going bonkers, like absolutely bonkers, especially if Trey Lance is in there. We saw Alfred Morris with RG3 back when uh, RG3 won the rookie of the year. Alfred Morris went nuclear in fantasy. And I think Trey Sermon could be an Alfred Morris. Like, I think that's well within his range of outcomes. And I think I agree with you that Raheem Mostert might be the most explosive running back in the NFL. I think it's a fire and ice situation. I think their ADPs are totally fair. I think you should be taking one of the two. And then if somebody misses time, all of a sudden we would be ranking the other guy inside like our top 15 running backs. Like, I think that's how explosive 
this running game is going to be. And I think that Trey Sermon and Raheem Mostert are both good at the game. I will say both have an injury history. That's yeah. why I think that Shanahan wants them to be in the committee. That also means that there's a higher chance that they actually do get injured and that would propel the other guy to go forward. So I would sprinkle in a little Trey Sermon. I would sprinkle in a little Raheem Mostert and get out of there. But if we're also trying to project narratives here, Hayden, I would say that on that team, Raheem Mostert's skill set is a bit more irreplaceable than maybe Trey Sermon's style. But there's also a reason why they traded up for Trey Sermon. You know, package all those picks yeah. to go up and get it. So two things, two things I'm looking for in training camp. Who's the goal line back? Who's playing on third downs and passing situations? Either one of them could do either role. I right. don't know which one's going to do it. Keep saying it. Preseason games are going to change our ability to process rookies heading into this year much more than they could last year. It's going to help so much. Just imagine this. I mean, look, monologue time. Just imagine what could have been last year. If we watched one Jacksonville Jaguars preseason game and we saw that James Robinson was going to get 20 touches per contest, that we saw him running with the ones every single period and didn't just try to read into like beat writer speculation each and every, you know, part of practice portion of practice they were able to watch, you know, like the usage is going to matter so much. And then we do our own activities and attempts at trying to evaluate, well, can it last? Is he good? Is the team going to be good? is the player uniquely talented as well. But I keep going back to that. If we knew how James Robinson was going to be utilized last year, last year's fantasy football season as a whole, Hayden, would have been totally different because a lot of your home leagues out there were won because someone either drafted James Robinson in the final two rounds or picked him up after week one, and boom, you get an RB1 each and every week because of that. If you like that Josh monologue, leave a like on the video. Come on, guys. Like the video. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. Okay, Hayden, I mean, we talk about the Cardinals offense, fun, potentially good as a as a backfield pairing because hopefully improved blocking schemes with Rodney Hudson involved. Then we go to the 49ers. Yes, one of the best rushing offenses in the league. Why should I care about Zach Moss and Devin Singletary and maybe even Matt Burrito battling for touches in the Bills backfield? That's the thing. The Bills would have to change what they're going to be doing offensively, and we don't have a really good reason for them to change what they're doing. I will say this seems pretty easy for me to project for the committee. Zach Moss is going to lead the the team in carries. He's going to be the goal line back, and then Devin Singletary is going to play on the passing downs. And there was this narrative that I just want to completely do full myth bu- myth busters on was that Zach Moss was the clear guy in the playoffs when he was healthy. That was not the case. He started. He was the goal line back. Devin Singletary played all the passing situations there. It was still committee all the way until the end of last season. If I was picking between the two, I would say Zach Moss has a higher ceiling because I think he could be a third down back if they wanted to make him two. But Devin Singletary Singletary is going much later, so I think that he deserves some love as like an RB4. But I'm with you. The overall ceiling here is really low in the committee and an offense that was, I think, I believe dead last in expected fantasy points at the running back's position. I mean, a lot of these other situations that we just talked about, something has changed, you know, nothing has changed for the bills. And so I, I I hear it. Zach Moss is going as running back 34. Devin Singletary is going as running back 47, but we have seen this last year and that offense was great. There is no reason. And I know they evolved from, you know, 2019 to 2020 and ran more 10 personnel immediately at the start of the season. Well, guess what? They, added another wide receiver this offseason, replacing John Brown, they're probably going to run a lot of 10 personnel again, maybe even more of that. Maybe that's where Josh Allen is most comfortable. This is not a team that has to rely on a, a, a run game to create leads, to sustain leads, 
and to win it at the end. God, lots of running backs here. Rashad Penny is healthy. Yes, this is just purely insurance, but he was going like almost undrafted. His ADP was like at 200. And if Rashad Penny's healthy, he's the clearly the number two running back okay. on the, the Seahawks. He should be going closer to like ahead of like by Chuba Hubbard. Like what's the difference between hmm. like he, I would draft him after Alexander Madison, but he's closer to like 140 ADP than he is 200 ADP. So this was, I think this was a pretty important just when you're ranking the pure insurance guys, I think Rashad Penny in the Seahawks offense has a little bit more than some of the other handcuffs that are being drafted ahead of them right now. That's it. Got it. So if, if you're closing out your draft with a, like your fourth running back, if you took three early on or fifth running back, if you took two early on, then maybe take him over, I don't know, the likes of Darrington Evans, who we're about to talk to, Juba Hubbard. I mean, he's in that he's in that category. Let's put him yes. in that category. And then you you get to decide on your own if you want to have Rashad Penny. If you believe in the Seahawks backfield more than you do the Titans. And let's talk about the Titans one right now. Because obviously, if Derrick Henry goes down, Hayden, we're not even the team just changes. Like their their philosophy changes their identity. Yeah, let's group all these guys together because we're running okay, late, of course. Darrington Evans is the, the RB2. Samaji P. Ryan is the, the Bengals RB2. Quadri Olsen is the Falcons RB2. Um, and then you have Tariq Cohen. His ACL is still lingering. Um, so that means Damian Williams is the RB2. And then finally, right now, Xavier Jones is the Rams RB2. All this stuff can change in preseason. But right now, if you're just yeah. looking at the, the drills and what the training camp reports are, you have Xavier Jones, uh, Damian Williams, Quadri Olsen, Samaji P. Ryan, Darrington Evans, those were the RB2s, Rashad Penny. And those were kind of like in a little bit in flux. I think those we should feel pretty confident. If an injury happened to the starter, these are the guys that would be vaulted up. I should have done a better Harrison job during that period. So thank you. Thank you for doing <laughs> that for me. Um, all right, everyone. We're about to hit on wide receivers. Uh, again, now that you're here, like and subscribe below. Our whole goal is to allow you and help you win your fantasy football season this year. That's it. Point blank. Period. So go and check out the channel. Tons of previous videos with Matt Harmon, with local beat writers, with just Hayden and I spitballing on a bunch of positions and players specifically that we love or ones that we're avoiding. And we're going to refresh a lot of those as we move along this month. It's such a pivotal month for just football entertainment, period. So we appreciate your support as we go along. All right, here we go. Wide receivers. Curtis Samuel Groin is on the pup list. I believe he's also on the COVID list. Uh, Hayden, two thoughts before I pass it over to you. One, even dating back to his time with the Panthers, I don't know if Curtis Samuel has ever had like a completely clean preseason. And two, I know he switched teams, but he's not like a typical player who switched teams really needs to acclimate completely because he's going to an offense he already knows with Scott Turner. So some missed time to me is not overly concerning. It's not overly concerning. The one thing though is he hasn't practiced since June 2nd. So we're talking about two months dealing with this growing injury. I hope that just means that the Washington football team is just taking it really, really, really slow, which would be good news uh, that they're not trying to rush him back. And I'm with you. I don't think it's the biggest thing just because he is used to the offense already. And we already know he's going to be a full-time starter. So I move him down a couple spots. Once he's back out there and practicing, I'll move him back up a couple spots. Um, but he hasn't practiced since June 2nd. I, I, and we haven't talked about this a single time. That's a, that's a long time for an injury. Yeah, they had some time off in between there too. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm still 10 spots ahead of ADP on Curtis Samuel. And unless we get to like the final two weeks of the preseason and he's still not practicing, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. Yeah. Don't be scared. Keep drafting Curtis Samuel, especially in the range where he's like your wide receiver four. Uh, hell yeah. Give that to me. Here we go. Yep. Odell Beckham subjectively looks good in camp. Tell me about it, Hayden. 
Well, the Athletics' Zach Johnson said that he's a medical marvel and that he could play right now. He wore no brace on his surgically repaired knee and then showed no hesitation. I mean, he's Odell's just a freak athlete, and I hope that he's ready to go. And I, if he is, I think he's a value. He's being drafted as a wide receiver three. I think that he can easily be a wide receiver too this year. I think that when he's healthy, he's clearly the best passing option on the team. Yeah. And I want to be buying in on this Browns offense. This is a team that could like throw randomly throw for 34, 35 touchdowns this year. If everything goes their way. And I think that Odell Beckham is a perfect scheme fit and I'm totally fine. If he averages eight yards per game or eight targets per game, but he's really efficient. Sign me up. He'll probably be inside the top 20. Yeah. This is doing nothing to our, indication that Odell can have a great season and that you and I are both ahead of ADP on him. Again, he's going as wide receiver 28 right now on underdog and you and I have him as wide receiver 25, both of us. So we're going to end up with a lot of Odell Beckham on our teams with this news, without this news, um, go and listen to the show with Matt Harmon. If you missed it on all those wide receivers, but we specifically talk about Odell who was like breaking reception perception charting back in his early years with the giants had a dip in form, but started working his way back up to what he was beforehand. And again, this could be just a team that is in so many positive situations and a team that it's not out of the realm of possibility that, you know, Kevin Stefanski, who completely implemented his identity immediately, just knows how to use Odell Beckham extremely well. Like we're just not buying into this. Oh, he doesn't fit with Baker mentality that you see recycled out there. A lot. That's for yeah. Sure. That's a garbage take. One of the worst takes of all time is that take. It's so bad. So Hayden, you and I and Slack have been talking about Cortland Sutton a lot. Um, it's because Cortland Sutton was on the trajectory of maybe even like wide receiver one potential before his major knee injuries, ACL injury last year. Um, we don't know what to expect with him. He's going as wide receiver thirty-one, and look, all that we get right now. It's not game action, but it's practice reports. But typically you hear things like, well, this is the best offseason ever. He's back to his old form, like we get with Odell. Instead with Cortland Sutton, we see him running with a knee brace on, him admitting that he doesn't fully trust his knee right now, and kind of the coaching staff alluding to the same thing. It's concerning. And beyond those concerns, just about his ACL, we're also talking about the Broncos offense with Jerry Judy, Noah Fan, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick, the two running backs. And we don't even know if the quarterbacks are any good. So there's a lot of things that have to go right for Cortland Sutton to pay off this ADP. I love Cortland Sutton when he's healthy. Here's just the problem. The Vic Fangio quote, that I'm going to read it right now. He says, I'm seeing progress. I saw yesterday and some today that he's still holding back a little bit. He worked in the offseason, but all his work in the offseason was on air. Now you put defenders out there and it's a totally different ball game. Right. I see a little hesitancy. I don't want to alarm the alarm. It's not, but it's progressing. So you, like you said, the coaches like to be optimistic in a lot of these times. And he was admitting that he was being hesitant. And when we watched those little clips that we've seen, to me, he looks a little hesitant too. So I'm dropped sudden way down my rankings. Prove me wrong in the training camp. I or in the preseason action. I hope he is healthy because he's really one of the most fun receivers, but right now I have Jerry Judy over Cortland Sutton in my rankings. Yeah. You and I are both much lower than the public on Cortland Sutton. Again, who's going as wide receiver 31. I have him as wide receiver 37 and that might continue to drop and you're all the way down at wide receiver 45. You'll be able to find all those very soon in our very free, free draft guide. That just looks delicious. It looks so good. I can't wait for you all to see it. We'll be posting that a lot. And again, it is for the big price of free 99. 
out there. So I, I love to win with it. I love very free. Like what's beyond free? This is like very, <laughs> very free. It's deliciously free. All right. Corey Davis and the Jets. We know that that team, Gang Green, spent a lot of money on Corey Davis this offseason. Um, but hey, I'm, I'm trying to find his ADP right now while hosting. He is the cheapest, quote unquote, top wide receiver on a team out there, it feels like, unless you want to count the Lions, but as wide receiver 54. Um, in fact, his running mate, Elijah Moore, who was like kind of in and out of the starting line, we don't exactly know his um, stance in the depth chart right now, was going one spot ahead at wide receiver 53. Again, this Jets team, unlike the Bills, is like a complete unknown. We don't know how the offense is going to be or who the targets are going to get. But I think no matter what, Hayden, Corey Davis is being underdrafted right now. I think he's the best value on the Jets. We always are looking for the guy, like who's going to emerge, and we're looking at the rookies, and they're exciting, and they're going to be good. But Corey Davis, they gave him a ton of money. I think that he's not going to come off the field. Elijah Moore, to start the season, might come off the field a little bit, regardless if he's impressing or not. Um, Corey Davis is not coming off the field in any situation. He's their ex receiver. They're paying him like that. I will say, Elijah Moore looks like an absolute baller in, in reports. We saw this coming. He was popping in the models. He was popping on the tape. He's yep. early declare power five athletic checks every box. What we're learning about this offseason is inside outside versatility. And this was a projection that you and I were willing to make when we were looking at our prospects. He was a slot receiver only. They lined him up in the backfield more than they were playing him outside. What we're seeing in camp is the Jets are moving him around the formation. And I think that's great news for Elijah Moore's projection because he doesn't have to beat out Jameson Crowder in the slot. He could also play snaps at the Z position over Keelan Cole. And if Elijah Moore is as good as what we think he is, I'm expecting him to finish second in routes run. It might take him a couple weeks yeah. to get there. He might not have the same amount of targets as Corey Davis, but he has this like crazy, crazy ceiling. Uh, I don't want to say like Justin Jefferson type ceiling because I think there's more target competition and all that stuff with, with the Jets. But this is like a massive range of outcomes. So this isn't even an anti-Elijah Moore take. I just think that Corey wow. Davis is being underdrafted He's just not going to come off the field. What, what it sounds like to me, Hayden, is you might advocate drafting both in this era of the draft. With stack the Jets. Jets. I've been saying it all offseason. Stack the <laughs> I'm Jets. I'm just kidding. Go back and listen to our previous episodes if, if you don't get that inside joke. To those that do, I appreciate you. That area of the draft, Hayden, is one that we're going to figure out the details of players that we like. It's a lot of rookies. I mean, Jalen Waddle's going as wide receiver 47. Uh, Rashad Bateman is going as wide receiver 55. We mentioned Elijah Moore is going as wide receiver 53. Rondell Moore is going as, as wide receiver 58. I bet all of you, when you're on the clock, at least one or two of those are on the board, like in back-to-back picks, something like that, back-to-back rounds. And you're just trying to figure out who. Again, can't wait to be able to figure out and actually like see these players on the field for that. But I'm with you. Like, Despite our excitement for Elijah Moore, Despite the team and Joe Douglas's excitement for it seems like Keelan Colin tried to trade for him like the last year or two. Um, Jamison Crowder has been productive and had spiked weeks even last year. Corey Davis seems like the constant, like the unspectacular but constant player. And uh, that's something we would need to absolutely pay attention to. And if you just exit with all the starters immediately uh, in you know preseason week one, then I, I bet Hayden, even if he doesn't like record more than two catches. Corey Davis should be going higher than that wide receiver 54 ADP. All right. Yeah. He, he's a wide receiver five being drafted. That's going to finish as a wide receiver four. a little yeah. bit of profit. You don't hate that. Emmanuel Sanders is playing ahead of Gabriel Davis. Those of you who watch the show, listen to the show have known this for weeks. It was pretty evident 
when he went back and watched Gabriel Davis last year when John Brown went down, his catch rate was bad. In fact, it was awful. Um, he's a very linear player. And that as soon as John Brown got back, Gabriel Davis, despite being a rookie who had some explosive plays, was again relegated to you know the fourth wide receiver. And Hayden, it seems like they want to keep him in that fourth wide receiver spot. And they like him as that role on the team. And then Emmanuel Sanders, as long as he can stay healthy, is going to be the number three wide receiver, obviously next to Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley in the slot. That's the perfect role for Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis is good at broken play stuff, winning contested catches. I don't think he's quite there yet to be like a the reliable receiver that the Bills are looking for when they're going with a super pass-heavy attack. Uh, the Athletics said that the heavily increased role that some expected for Davis, Davis might not immediately be in the cards bearing an injury to Emmanuel Sanders. How I'm ranking them would be Cole Beasley, then Emmanuel Sanders, then Gabe Davis. All of them have upside. I'm not going to argue against the Gabe Davis upside case. If one of those guys gets injured, he'll be in the lineup. He's still going to play a little bit in four receiver sets. I do think that we tend to uh, overplay how often these teams actually use four receiver sets. Like the Bills use it, but the Bills use it like 20% of the time. So he's not going to be a full-time player all of a sudden. I think that Gabe Davis should drop two or three rounds. And then at that price tag, then you can play the upside game. I think like his median projection is clearly below uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley at the time. Yeah, all of you are going to see this in our free draft guide, but Hayden and I are considerably lower than the public on Gabriel Davis, who's been dropping but still is at wide receiver 59. Uh, Hayden and I are 71 and 73 at that wide receiver spot. And look, Hayden and I are really into a lot of these second-year wide receivers and even rookie wide receivers um, because typically that can be where a jump is or you know finding value in the unknown, but Gabriel Davis is like the opposite of that. And Jalen Rager is also the opposite of that, but that's a conversation for another time. What about Nico Hardman, who – is entering what his third year? Um, I am out. Should I still be out, Hayden? I mean, it seems like everyone, the coaches, his teammates, trying to make Nicole Hardman a thing here in 2021. Are you buying into this so far? The Athletic is also trying to make uh, Nicole Hardman a thing. Underdog Fantasy ADP is trying to make Nicole Hardman a thing. Yep, I am with you. Based off of the last two years and his college production and what he was putting on on tape in college as well. He is just not a full-time route runner yet. He was 87th out of 97 wide receivers in yards per route run versus man coverage last year. I don't think that he's probably testing very well in reception perception. The thing is though, he was playing cornerback in college. If it just took him a couple years to get ready, if he maturing like everyone else is saying he's maturing, then he can absolutely shred this ADP. So I don't want to completely write him off. I think that his median projection is lower than what people are expecting, but he's probably one of the players I'm most excited to see in preseason action. I want to see what type of routes he's running, how crisp his routes are and where he's being lined up and how often he's playing at each spot Uh, because they didn't play him in the Super Bowl or in the AFC championship because he was not good enough. Could he have a 30 year breakout? That's certainly within the range of possibilities. His median is lower than what I think other people are saying. That's it. It's kind of a similar situation to the one we had with LaVisca Chenault, who's been dropping a little bit, but still going as wide receiver 39, that as soon as we see it with Visca, and as soon as we see exactly what the plan is with Visca, if it's a lot better than we think it is, then we'll just adjust. Like, we'll have some FOMO from earlier in the offseason where we didn't take him where everyone else was, but we'll just adjust. Well, look, if Miko Hardman goes out there, is running as the clear second wide receiver next to Tyreek Hill, 
you know, make some more advanced plays than we've seen in the past and is not just a manufactured touch guy and can actually be like a legitimate wide receiver out there, then we'll adjust. But right now where Michael Hartman is going as wide receiver 49, absolutely not. I, I just cannot do that. But I'll, again, this I, is I why we up, change our opinions. Yeah. I'm moving up a couple spots in my wide receiver rankings. Just like everything's positive right now. Like this is the thing where you don't – this is a very fragile thing to be moving your rankings for because it's all just speculation without seeing any of the film. But, the, I mean, the range of outcomes here are pretty sweet. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Quickly, another one that we've talked about earlier this offseason, Terrace Marshall was healthy and playing in the slot. Yes. Makes sense. Absolutely draft makes sense. Him. Draft him. Uh, I've been advocating for all of you to draft him for a very long time. Hopefully, you got the uh, nice cost at that, which was wide receiver 68. Hayden, you know this. I've had him as wide receiver 57 for, like, months now in that like 55 to 57 range it's because he's an outside to inside player filled both played both during his time at LSU caught 13 touchdown passes with Joe Brady the team missed a 1,000 scrimmage yard player in Curtis Samuel they're not exactly the same but it's also makes sense that the Panthers have struggled to complete touchdown catches to their wide receivers in the red zone I mean Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore combined for seven touchdowns last year. You bring in Dan Arnold in free agency. You bring in Terrace Marshall. These are two just different bodies. I'd even throw in David Moore, who's great at contested catches. Different style than he already had on the roster. And if Terrace Marshall stays healthy, the people close to the team say he like looks like an NFL wide receiver. Yeah, we loved watching him. It was a medical thing that apparently dropped him because he broke a leg, his leg in, in high school. But look, if he's on the field and if he's running with the stars in week one, Hayden, I wouldn't be shocked at all if his ADP gets much closer to where I have him again in like wide receiver 55 territory. He doesn't win in the same ways that chase Claypool wins. Like they're not even close to the same player, but like just for a fantasy, just somebody that all of a sudden pops off. And then we're like, okay, he might be like a wide receiver for a flex guy as a rookie because he's just an absolute baller athletically. And cause he's so big. I think like this year, like that could easily be Terrace Marshall. So yep. um, he's somebody that just make sure you have some shares. Shit. My bold prediction was that he leads the Panthers in receiving touchdowns among all wide receivers and tight ends this year. And I'm feeling good about that. Feeling good about that one. All right. Another one I'm feeling good about, A.J. Green being the Cardinals wide receiver too. Again, it was mathematically impossible for A.J. Green to be worse than last season. Yet he was being drafted like he was just as bad as last year's wide receiver 79. You are getting at that cost. The clear number two, you know, snap getter on the team among wide receivers on the Cardinals. And I went and watched like a, you know, the team podcast for the Cardinals. And they said DeAndre Hopkins on the left for every snap, AJ Green on the right for every snap. I have him all the way up at wide receiver 66. You're right there with me with AJ Green. It's not going to be flashy. It's not going to be sexy. He is 32 years old. But Hayden, once again, don't watch him but he's going to have some startable weeks for you this year. Yeah. I mean, the Cardinals play all these, all these plays. I mean, they're going to be top five in, in plays overall and AJ green. I don't think he's coming off the field. They paid him a lot of money and void years on the contract. AJ green is going to be out there all the time. It's crazy. You literally cannot find a negative beat on AJ green right now. Like he might be leading the, the training camp in positive buzz right now. It's actually, actually insane. Um, I don't want to fully buy it, but like buying it at wide receiver 75, sure. Like sign me up for, for that price. Yeah. I'm mean, coming off from a foot injury last year with the Bengals. He had to 
be thrown the ball by like Ryan Finley and a bunch of Brandon Allen, like a bunch of randos, you know, like, yeah, he might just be better in a Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, who's the ultimate deodorant right now for his coaching staff and his GM group. Um, I think the biggest negativity right now for AJ Green is football Twitter, fantasy football Twitter. They're like, you know, subtweeting those of us who are actually talking up AJ Green, being like, well, he's 30 and all. That's okay, man. Like, I'm fine with this opinion. I'm not saying like take him as your wide receiver four this year, but in your final few rounds, yeah, AJ Green, you have much worse picks over on underdog, in my opinion. Is is the age not priced in? He's the wide receiver 75. It's all priced in. Yeah, exactly. All the negativity is priced in. Do we have to talk about Dwayne Eskridge? I mean, sure. We'll, we'll close this out with Dwayne Eskridge. Go ahead. He is – there's still on the timetable on his return. I mean, uh, He's been dealing with, like, a tweak in his foot. That's kind of scary. The problem right now, the Seahawks don't have, like, a wide receiver three. It's, like, John Yursua, who is, like, that Hawaii receiver that's really tiny. Like, that's their wide receiver three right now. So, I think that Dwayne Eskridge, even if he doesn't play in training camp, would still probably be the wide receiver three just out of necessity. I think this is just more reason to draft DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. The target tree is just so, so, so narrow. Uh, we'll see if Dwayne Eskridge could uh, come back in a couple weeks. Anything on tight ends before we get out of here? Yeah, uh, one thing, uh, Howie Roseman, the Eagles GM, says that he expects Zach Ertz to be in Philly for week one. They have not been able to trade Zach Ertz, probably because he's being paid a ton of money. So they will either have to cut him or he'll be out there. And he showed up to training camp because he's trying to avoid the fines. Um, I think that's a non-zero chance that Zach Ertz is back in Philly. I think that Dallas Goddard, um, his kind of ADP is assuming that Zach Ertz is gone. I don't want to make that assumption anymore. I dropped Dallas Goddard down a couple spots. He's still in that same tier. I just think he's at the end of it. I mean, there's like a running back dead zone. I kind of feel like that's like the tight end dead zone too with, with Dallas Goddard. And so I feel like maybe not reorder everything with tight ends where I have them right now, but just in the overall ranks, which again, you can going to be able to find on our free draft guide. Um, just bump that whole group down. Cause I just want to take like wide receivers in the area because I think people get nervous. Hayden, they're like, well, I've got, you know, my starting lineup of, three wide receivers and, and two running backs and a quarterback. Now's the time to take a tight end. No, just keep loading up. Keep trying to win that flex position each week because is there really going to be that much of a difference of Dallas Goddard who's going as tight end seven potentially and, I don't know, Logan Thomas is going as tight end 10, you know? So Yeah. Dallas Goddard always gets talked about. Like he, oh, he's like the next top five real life. I love him. But I, I know, but like at some point, like at some point, is it just maybe he's like the 10th best tight end in the league and Zach Ertz is around, and Jalen Hurts is there, and Devonta Smith is yeah. there, and it's just like too hard. Like, who, who's your favorite of that group? I'm not even putting Hawkinson in there for you, you know. But Higby, Goddard, Logan Thomas, Noah Fant, who's also getting some positive buzz right now. Like in that tight end dead zone, who are you pick? Noah Fant's clearly the best actual tight end. He just his situation's really bad. It'd be like Tyler Higby. I, I like Logan Thomas. I'll throw in Robert Tunyon for sure in that group. I'd put Dallas Goddard at the end of this tier. But in general, like you said. Give me Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. Like those two, those are the two guys and Anthony Ferkser and the Blake Jarwin. I'm fine with kind of going with those back end tight ends. Cool. All right. We did this way too long. We first week in our preseason activity, you know, we're, we're starting our practices as well. Hopefully these Monday shows, as we get more and more information as preseason games go along, uh, they're going to elicit some really actionable info for all of you. Again, thank you so much for being here like and subscribe down below we'll be back here tuesday wednesday and thursday of this week at 12 30 eastern and you can take it on the road with you if you want to just search for the underdog football show on 
whatever podcast platform you use. All right, everyone, up the villa. Stay with us, Captain Jack. Talk to you all soon. See ya.